Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and today I have the wonderful Christy Anyabwile on the show. Christy is an author, speaker, and Bible teacher. But today I want to talk about Psalm 119. Christy, you put together a bunch of women to write about this psalm, and I just, I, I, it's so rich. There's so much in it. So here's my question for you. How do we read it? And how do we apply it? Thank you so much, my sister Trillia, and um, congratulations on your amazing book. I can't wait to share it with all my friends. Um, and this um, topic of getting into God's word and getting God's word into us is a shared passion that we have, and I'm sure your listeners as well. So let me just share some things about a Psalm 119. So. I edited a volume called His Testimonies, My Heritage, Women of Color on the Word of God. And it is what I call an expositional devotion through Psalm 119. If you have landed on Psalm 119, at some point in your Bible reading life, you will recognize something right off the bat. It's long very long, <laughs> the longest chapter in the Bible. In fact, it is 176 verses long, and it is divided into uh, what we will call stanzas. Um, and each stanza, or we'll call it, we'll call it a stanza for now. Um, <laughs> it's, it's divided up into eight ver um, eight verse sections. And each set of eight verses corresponds to a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So the first eight verses would correspond to the Hebrew letter that stands for A. It's called Aleph. Um, and then verses 9 to 16 is Bet, and so on and so forth. The really cool thing about it, though, is when you read the eight verses that correspond to that letter in the Hebrew alphabet— if we read Hebrew, which I do not, but I'm told and I trust the people who do, but if we were to read this in Hebrew, we would find that each line begins with that same letter. So, for example, in the first eight verses, the Hebrew letter Aleph, if we were reading it in the Hebrew language, the beginning of each verse would be that Aleph letter as well. So that's a pretty cool thing to know. Um, and another thing to kind of pick up as you just, you know, take a first glance at Psalm 119 um, is that just about every verse, if not every verse, there's a little bit of debate on it, but I will say just about every verse says something about the Word of God. So as you read Psalm 119, you cannot miss that it is most centrally focused on the Word of God. And the way you'll see it, you'll see words like law, testimonies, um, commands, precepts, statutes, commandments, rules. Um, and, and that's just the first eight verses. So <laughs> verse, by, verse by verse, you will see that just about everyone has, says something about the Word of God. And so you would, someone would ask like, well, wouldn't that get boring reading the same thing over and over again? Well, yeah, if you were maybe if you were reading exactly the same thing over and over again. But as you read, you will discover that these verses are rich and 
And for every verse that um, teaches us something specific about the Word of God, we are growing deeper and deeper and richer and richer in our understanding of who God is and what God is like and how we are to respond to him. And so um, those are some things to kind of keep in mind as you read it. And another thing to keep it, so those are general things. Now, if we want to hone it down a little bit more specifically, the uniqueness of Hebrew poetry that we get in the Psalms, for example, and that we see often even in the prophets who are very poetic, we learn that Hebrew poetry has the distinct feature of being marked by parallel lines that fit together in some specific way. So in American poetry, we often think about poems that rhyme. You know, there are rhyme schemes or there's um, meters to our poetry. And there's meter and things like that in Hebrew poetry as well. But what marks it out for those of us who are trying to read God's word and understand what it means is we want to pay attention to how those parallel lines fit together. Um, the parallel lines can come in pairs, so twos, or, or they can come in threes, or sometimes even they can, you know, they can come in four lines that fit to, four parallel lines that fit together. And those parallel lines that fit together all comprise a particular topic or theme or idea. And so let's say we are reading um, uh, Psalm 119. <laughs> Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. And so when you read that, you will um, see that verse 1 is comprised of two parallel lines, blessed are those whose way is blameless, and then another line, who walk in the law of the Lord. And so those two lines will do several different things in Hebrew poetry. They will either say the same thing, or they will, uh, the line two will say the opposite or contrast, not opposite, but say contrast line one. Or the second line will extend the thought of the first line. And so those are some things to look out for. Are the lines that fit together, are they saying the same thing and emphasizing a point? Is the second line contrasting something that's said in the first line? Or is the second line extending the thought of the first line? So thinking about the context of Psalm 119, and if someone has never thought of it quite like that, where they're thinking of, are you encouraging people to read each line of it and, and, and to think, okay, this is, this is where maybe some, some people would say, this is where you would see repeated words or are, and then are, are you also saying that if there's another line that explains it um you should maybe mark it yes. i just wanted you to ah, dig into yeah, that yeah that's that's look at my bible teacher going there yeah um so yeah that's exactly right so when we're if we're reading it and we're studying for understanding yeah obviously we want to read each line but the lines really do go together in a particular way and so we want to see if we want to see if the second line kind of says the same thing. We want to see is there something mirrored or repeated. Uh, so you do want to look at those repeated words. 
At other times, the second line might contrast. And in that case, you want to make sure that you read each line and you want to see how the lines work together. So for example, if, it, if the two lines say the same thing, you wanna look for repeated words or something, the second line mirroring the first line in some way. At other times, the second line might contrast, and in that case, you wanna look for a contrasting word, like the word, but. Uh, then other times, you, the, you may, um, if, the if the second line completes the thought or extends the thought of the first line, then you wanna look for words like, therefore, in order that something of that nature. So yes, the grammar and the language is gonna kinda help you to understand how the lines fit together. Now, why is that important? Because in Hebrew poetry, generally, groups of parallel lines fit together. And those groups of parallel lines that go together, um, we, uh, we wanna call that, we call that, uh, um, uh, a stanza, okay, and so, um, and some, or some, you know, some Bible people might call it a strophe, S-T-R-O-P-H-E, okay, um, so, and that means what a, a strophe or a stanza does is it collects a bunch of parallel lines that share a certain theme, and then they all get lumped together, and so this is important because it's showing you uh, because uh, poetry often has a lot of imagery and a lot of um, symbolic language, when you see the theme come, when you see the theme emerge from that stanza or from that strophe, it's going to help you to begin to get meaning from that poem. So I hope that makes sense. It's it's once you start to read and see how the lines fit together, you'll say, oh, you know what? Actually, verses one through six, they all, all the, they all kind of work together under one particular theme. And then you move further in the poem or in the psalm, and it might shift to another image or another idea, and those will get locked together. And so now you're building layers of meaning as you work your way through the psalm. Which will Which help will you understand, understand the, song. the song. And now then, well, then how do we apply it? I mean, what do we do? It's a poem. So <laughs> one another thing I would say, this kind of uh, gets into both interpretation and application, is that remember that as we are reading the songs, we become a participant, right? And so we become, you know, one of part of the, you know, Israelite community of sorts who you want to place yourself in the context and in the theme and in the rhythm of this of the song that you're you're reading. And so um, this is important because psalms were meant to be sung or prayed or recited, memorized. And so once we began to see the parallel lines, how they fit together, the themes that develop, and the movement of the song as a whole, then we can join in with the psalmist, either in lament, or in praise, or in thanksgiving, or in worship of the Lord our God. And so um, the way that we want to think about applying it as well, we want to remember that all of God's word is for all of God's people, number one, or we'll call that number two. Number one is 
all God's word is teaching us about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So everything we read in, in the Bible from beginning to end is one story about one person, and that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so even as we read a psalm like Psalm 119, we want to read it thinking about how this song, what this psalm teaches us about Jesus. How does it anticipate him? How does it echo his character or his coming? How does it um, explore some aspect of the gospel? And so those are, that's, those are some ways that we can think about, okay, now what do I do with this? Because before we apply a text to ourselves personally, we have to know what it is saying to us about Jesus. Now, Psalm 119 is easy peasy because every verse is about the word in some aspect, right? And what do we read in John 1.1? We read that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so as we read Psalm 119 and as we read these aspects of God's character um, and his expectations of us as his people, we also want to read it keeping in mind that Jesus himself is the word of God made flesh who dwelt among us. Amen. So I want you to do something for us as we land the plane. I would love for you to pray just a portion of Psalm 119. Can you do that for us? Can you pray that? I'm going to read and pray uh, Psalm 119 verses 41 to 48. This is God's word. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would let your steadfast love come to us, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Lord, your word says that then we shall have an answer for him, for those who taught us, because we trust in your word. Father, we ask that you would take not the word of truth from our mouths, because our hope is in your rules. Father, help us to keep your law continually, forever and ever, so that we might walk in a wide place, Lord, because we have sought your precepts. And Father, we um, commit to you that we will speak of your testimonies before kings, before authorities, before our children and our families and our colleagues and our co-workers and friends. And Lord, we know that we will not be put to shame when we stand boldly for your truth and we speak your gospel clearly. We find our delight in your commandments and we love them. So Lord, now as we close out this time, we lift up our hands toward your commandments, which we love. And we dedicate ourselves to meditating on your statutes day and night, moment to moment, until you return. Lord, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Christy. 